0: Welcome back to another episode of the Free to Love podcast. The healing journey is complex, multifaceted. There is no silver bullet. And yet, if there is a single area that can lead to beautiful breakthroughs that fuel our hope for lasting change, a deepening peace, and the capacity for meaningful relationships, it is in the arena of the mind. The quality or venom Of our internal thought life has an incredible power to impact every aspect of our reality. There is a good reason why every spiritual tradition, from Christianity to Buddhism to the self help shelf in your local bookstore, is trying to get us to pay attention to the power of our thoughts. Cultivating an awareness of the war within is half the battle. As we will explore in this conversation, There are a variety of simple practices we can begin to develop that build the foundation to live from a place of peace and quiet power. May this week's conversation unveil some of the inner workings of your own mind and empower you to take the next step in your healing journey, naming the core false beliefs you may be carrying and identifying a set of practices that can begin to trade the lie for a life-giving truth.
1: Be well, my friends. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Joseph. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm moment of silence for our dear friend Jennifer All. Mm-hmm. Poor girl; she's suffering in England. <laughs> I know. Oh man! But no, she at totally at a wedding. Jen, we love you. Yes, uh, we miss you. We miss you. If you were here with us, we do. But we're so thrilled. It's yeah. been eight years since her and Lance have been able to do something like that.
1: Not great. Yeah. So they can so, get away.
0: So glad, but that means that you and I get to have we get to talk more.
1: That's right. Ah, uh-huh. we get to have this more key for us sacred conversation about our own thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today's
0: yes. conversation, um, we're going to be diving into something super simple. And by that, I mean <laughs> uh, quite literally the most complex thing that we have. Identified yet in the universe, which is the human brain, and yeah. and not just the brain, but we're going to talk about the mind, and mm-hmm. more specifically, this you know this is tethered to a, a chapter in the mm-hmm. curriculum called renewing the mind, which of course comes from uh, Paul's famous uh, verse, yeah. Uh, which what is what is that verse? It's
1: so Romans chapter twelve, verses one through three. You want me to go ahead and read it? Yeah, I think it'd be great to we launch this discussion grounded mm-hmm. in God's word. It says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and, And approve God's will. So I think I'll just stop right there. So I think to bring clarity is the exhortation that we're experiencing that God by his spirit uh, is is encouraging us as believers that if we want to change, we need to begin with understanding, evaluating, and taking inventory of our thought life. Mm. So... I think that's a. I think it's a good premise that we begin to understand is what is the difference. Really, what is the difference between our the mind and the brain? And there's been so much evidence, there's so much research in the last ten years of understanding uh, the brain. And the brain is not the mind, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't it doesn't distinguish that the value of understanding the brain. But we need to understand the brain is basically it's organic. It's something that it has a physiological, natural survival skills that does influence our thinking. Mm -hmm. But as believers and as as spiritual people, um, and under the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to impact and to choose and to empower the way we think. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, I find in my, uh, and a lot of us, and I know this is true in my own life, is that how... That I confuse the way that my brain is operating and the kind of the neuroscience chemical makeup of my brain, how I'm not aware of how that's in influencing my thought life. Yeah, and I think that's something we can really impact yeah. during this discussion.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree, and I'm excited to go there with you. The distinction that you are drawing is a really important one. Let me try and use a metaphor to help people track because uh, you just. You covered a fair amount of ground there. When we talk about um, this, will this will work for people who are familiar with technology, which is all of us at this point. Uh, when we talk about the brain, you're talking about that three pounds ish of gray matter that lives between your ears. Yeah. And as you said, it's an organ, and it is it is biological, and uh, it is there's electrical impulses that are going between synapses, which execute the functions that your brain needs to do. And there's multiple levels of the brain. There's the brainstem and then there's these kind of increasing, uh, layers, uh, of complexity. And, you know, so we've talked about, we've talked about some of that, you know, we've, you've heard us talk about, uh, being amygdala hijacked. Well, mm-hmm. that's a brainstem function yeah. that's going on and it's got, it's got basic skills or tasks that it's responsible for you know you don't ever think about breathing because your brain's just taking care of it that's right uh just just like all sorts of other stuff now so it's helpful for us to think about when we're talking about the brain we're talking about hardware we're talking about your physical like the think of your computer uh your computer that's sitting on your lap right now jeff is a physical piece of technology now the thing that's r- so that's the brain the thing that's running in the brain is software. Mm. So that's the mind. So yeah. computer requires software applications. So that's, that's a, that's good. a metaphor good that I've heard, I've heard used in the neuroscience yeah. space that, you know, brain is hardware, mind is software. And so for us, uh, a lot of people don't ever think about that. I've never heard that, about that before. So when you use that term earlier about taking inventory of our thoughts, People, I, I know because I experienced this myself on my own journey. Like, what are you talking about taking an inventory of our thoughts? You know, um, because most of us have identified ourselves with our thoughts. Yeah. At, at a fundamental identity level. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the massive mistake of the Enlightenment when Descartes says, I, you know, I think, therefore I am wrong. <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually a disordered way. That's part of how we've, we've elevated the primacy of the mind mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So I just wanted to offer a different sort of metaphor for, for, to help people wrap their, yeah. their mind around the distinction between brain and mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as we talk about the renewing of the mind is, I think what we want to bring clarity to is that in order for us to renew the mind, we first need to be aware of the different components that are affecting our thoughts. Mm. And and I, I know the scriptures I love what the scripture says, uh, the importance in Psalms 139. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, mm. and see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me into the way of everlasting. So I like that that we're being we're being asked to be empowered to take responsibility mm-hmm. you know, for our thought life. But in order for us to do that, we need to be aware of what are the different factors that are impacting our thought life. And so when we're talking about the brain, we're talking about brain chemistry, is that is one of the factors that a lot of times we're unaware of and blinded to how is our the neurochemistry of our brain really impacting our thought life. But we know there's other factors as well that are impacting our thought life. There's diet, there's... Um, our exercise, th- those all are ways that can impact how we feel and also how we think there's circumstances. And mm. now we've talked a lot about, um, interpersonal relationships and trauma or betrayal. All those things have factors that do, do impact the way we think. And, um, and then the other thing we've talked about is family of origin. Mm. We're not aware of, of, uh, what are things that have been passed on from generation to generation. Um, that are genetic, that have impacted the way that we think, the way we feel about ourselves. I mean, we all know uh, we we're living in a culture where there's so much anxiety and there's so much depression. Well, a mm-hmm. lot of that is circumstantial, and but there's a lot of it that's that's not circumstantial, but it's really genetic. Mm-hmm. So, um, and what I like about this ancient writing from scriptures, it does, it really does reinforce. Science mm-hmm. it reinforces a lot of the research that's going on today yeah. about the brain. That's just reinforcing the importance of how we are to transform our lives through by looking at our thought life.
0: Come on, okay. So you're just saying that we get to st- we get to start dismantling some of that false wall that stands between science and religion. <laughs> that false dichotomy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dichotomy. And oh, maybe maybe they actually they uh, they work together really really well. I think so. You know. Uh, we don't have time to unpack this here and I'm not enough of an expert too but I recently started rereading revisiting a book called the uh, the brain gut connection mm. and you mentioned diet is really important in this we're going to spend most of our time talking about uh, the mind the brain thought life but as we've begun on this season to use the language of you know some of the chemicals that are running through our, our bodies and our, our brains um, we talked about cortisol and we'll, we'll talk more We've talked about adrenaline, we've talked about dopamine, we've talked about serotonin. And if we haven't, then, well, today we're going to talk about them. <laughs> uh, and I just want to do this little caveat, which is, you know, diet is so important when, um, because that anxiety that you're talking about that's plaguing our, our culture right now, one of the biggest places it lives is the gut. And mm. we feel it mm-hmm. in, in our gut. And, you know, that may manifest in anxious thought patterns or impulsive or repetitive thought patterns in different ways. But there's this huge, um, huge component of that did you know that 95% of all dopamine in the, in the body system lives in the gut?
1: I never knew that.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's not, we, th- we wow. primarily think of it as a brain yes. chemical 95% oh of it, it lives in the gut, you know? And so the vagus nerve that connects the, the gut to the brain is this the super highway that, mm. you know, this part of yeah. how we are integrated um, as creatures who are fearfully and wonderfully and complexly made that I mean, we're walking mysteries, there's more synapses in the brain, there's more connections in the brain than there are, uh, you know, known universes or stars, or it's just it's the brain is the most complex thing that. We yeah. have ever encountered.
1: So what you're saying is that if we if we're not eating proper food, that is going to impact the level of energy or yes. the the ability to experience joy. Yes, or it, to be able to encounter a greater sense of positivity uh-huh. in our life.
0: If there's one thing I can encourage people to cut out of their diet, it is sugar, because it. We are—it's one of the biggest addictions that, that yeah, our culture has. That's right. It's baked into all of that diet coke that you drink all the time, or corn syrup, corn syrup, and yeah. everything. You know, it's the biggest—it's uh, the biggest reason why cancer is such a—you know—an wow, issue true. because it facilitates the, the conditions for cancer to grow.
1: Yeah, yeah. but
0: but that's a, a bunny trail. So just shout yeah. out, think about your diet yeah. uh, and explore more about that. But let's get back to the mind and renewing yeah. the mind. And yeah. Jeff, uh, so how do we? Take us further into this process,
1: yeah, so what you know as we're as we're identifying some of the components that impact you know we're really what we want to do is we want to encourage each other, we want to encourage our listeners to be become more aware, to be more aware, and take inventory of your brain or, t- mm-hmm. or your your mind, and so one of the questions that we discuss in the skills classes is what are thoughts? Mm-hmm. we're talking about renewing your mind. And be transformed by by your thought life is then what are thoughts and some of the things we talk about are thoughts uh, are simply our words and ideas uh, that we tell ourselves. So it's interesting how we actually are having this inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. We're having an inner discussion that we're not even aware or attuned to the origin of these thoughts, to mm-hmm. the dynamic of this this process of thinking. Thoughts are um, also, it's what we call inner self-talk. Mm-hmm. So how often are we are we aware that we're, how we're having this inner dialogue about how we feel about ourselves, about whether we think about ourselves, uh, where we value or we devalue ourselves. And then the other thing is we don't realize is what, where the origin of these thoughts. And I think this adds to the awareness factor is that there's a whole nother component, mm. which we haven't talked about when it comes to the, that impacts our thought life and there's a spiritual component, you know? And so understanding that at the very heart of renewing the mind is there's a spiritual battle going on. And, mm. and you know, scriptures clearly talks about the importance of this spiritual battle that has its origin and has its beginning in the mind. Mm-hmm. So, so understand. I think um, we need to be aware as we talk about our, and reflect on the, the thought process. Is we need to identify that as part of what we call spiritual warfare. Mm. So we can we can experience transformation when we're more attuned to this inner awareness of the dynamic of powers principalities. Uh, and spiritual forces in the heavenly places, and that's I mean, that's a whole other really discussion, isn't it? Totally, yeah. yeah. And and
0: we've I, I love that we have the freedom on this on this show to engage with that, and like as we've mentioned and do throughout the season, uh, our belief is that you know there's not so much layers. There is there's the physical, there's the emotional, there's the mental, there's the spiritual. Those are just you know, talking about those as layers is just a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that we really believe that that scripture teaches is that we are radically integrated beings where you can't really separate out, you know, like the mental, yeah. the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, especially the spiritual. The spiritual weaves its way through every, every layer. So that's why it's important uh, that we have space to be able to use language like spiritual warfare and to acknowledge that like, hey, we... We, we admit humbly that there's a, uh, that what we know and can claim to know about this universe and, what, and life, uh, there's an end, there's an edge to it and there's stuff beyond. And uh, so I'm just, I'm reframing that in some ways because I know some of our listeners will hear spiritual warfare language. And they'll get triggered because they've connected that to fundamentalism. They've mm. connected that to yep. really unbalanced, healthy, charismatic, right. or Pentecostal yep. expressions. Yep. And we just—I just want to to try and avoid saying, "Hey, we think this is uh, something we have to talk about. We think that there's it has weight." Um, but just don't be afraid. We're not—we're not, yep. not going to go all too crazy and kooky. Just a little
1: bit. Just a yeah. little bit, <laughs> just a little bit kooky. <laughs> well you know i mean the it, what we're really describing is clearly biblical truth and so unfortunately there has been it has there's been abuse in that whole area and i think we've there's been an imbalance as you said of not really embracing the whole person yeah uh, so what we want to do is is create a, a sense of balance and create a healthy rhythm of understanding that that as we're talking about freedom the freedom to love and we're talking about transformation, it really begins in the mind. Mm. And it understanding that God clearly as spiritual beings, we have choices. We have the power to determine our thought lives. Or we have the to determine what we want to think. We have the the we have the choice to have bad thoughts or good thoughts. And but we want to make it very clear is that we cannot ignore the spiritual component of it. And understanding that God, as we have come into this place of salvation and redemption, that he's, the Bible says he's given us his own mind, mm. you know, by his spirit that in dwelling within us. Now we have the, the ability if and develop that, ability and the capacity to be able to hear the mind of God that impacts our day-to-day thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is <clears throat> just have to acknowledge that is utter lunacy. Like, I mean, you <laughs> know, from, from a purely human, humanistic rationalist enlightenment perspective, you know, um, that requires a great insane leap of faith we could, I could have and cultivate this capacity to, have the mind of God. Yeah.
1: But it's crazy.
0: It's, you know, I mean, it's one, of, it is crazy. And it's true. I'm being, I'm obviously being slightly cheeky here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, most, it's actually in various ways. It's what all the major wisdom traditions of the world teach mm-hmm. in one way or another. Uh, so I, I I think this is universal truth um, made most manifest in Christ.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing to think when we were born, we're born into this spiritual warfare. Mm. And so, uh, part of maturation and growing up is to develop a greater sense of discernment, of understanding Mm. Mm. what's going on in your thought life. Yeah. And we need to learn and practice the spiritual discipline so we can slow down mm. to begin to evaluate, to take inventory and to, by God's spirit, to be able to discern what's going on in our thought life. And so that's really what we want to encourage people to do. Uh, and, and this is clearly identified in scriptures. I mean, Paul talks about this. Uh, he says in second Corinthians chapter 10, we demolish arguments in every pretentious thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and therefore he he tells us this we're to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ that's pretty profound I mean I've read that over and over again I don't know if I've been very good at that yeah you know it's super easy Jeff I, oh yeah
0: I, I capture every single thought that I have
1: <laughs> and it's not a matter of just memorizing that passage no it really is learning how. To, it really is learning to slow ourselves down, uh, to posture some position by God's word through meditating and reflecting on His truth, and then the application of God's truth of meditating on God's truth that we be to begin to take it from our heads, from our minds, into our hearts, and that's the journey of transformation. Mm-hmm. But it begins in the mind. Mm-hmm. It begins in in that of. We have to take responsibility for our thought life.
0: You, so, the seat of, in we believe, and this is scripture I believe makes the case for as well that the the heart, um, and when you know in the original languages when when they're talking about that, um, I want to say split next, So my there's a that's it's <laughs> almost that's almost the Greek term, okay. um, but uh, the seat in the you know, in the worldview of scripture, the seat of human the human and human transformation is not the mind, it is the heart, it is the gut. Uh that's where your deepest self lives, to use that language. But the so the mind though plays, think of it like this, it plays goalkeeper or it plays uh you know, it's it's the thing that's defending the drawbridge.
1: Well, that's good. That gets yeah, you down. I like that illustration. That, that gets you down. Yeah. There.
0: And so the reason why you're saying, hey, this is so important and that this process of transformation begins in the mind is because that's where most of us live most of the time. Not that's even right. realizing that, hey, actually, you can begin to develop this awareness, this capacity to be aware of where your thoughts are coming mm-hmm. from. And as you said, to mature into a capacity to discern whether or not they're good, true, noble, beautiful, lead to flourishing or whether they're impulsive, destructive, negative, That's right. demonic even. And as we develop this capacity to be able to do this, uh, well, what you will experience, and I guarantee, because you've experienced this, Jeff, I've experienced this, is that that drawbridge, like <laughs> you, get, you learn to get the knights out of the way that are guarding it, the drawbridge descends, and we can begin to move down into the heart. That's good. We create space that the Holy Spirit can begin to move mm-hmm. into our heart and to draw that the truth of who God is and who we are deeper down into the center of our being, where we can begin to live
1: from. That's right. That's good. I, I love that because, you know, uh, most of my Christian life, um, the way that I've perceived true spirituality is really grounded in information instruction. Mm-hmm. You know. Tell me more. Yeah. So I think, you know, if, if we just understand true, true propositional, um, knowledge, propositional truth, then that's a sign of, of, of spirituality. And I'm discovering that no, it's how do we take propositional truth and it becomes experiential, how do we get it from our brain and we, and it mm-hmm. goes into our body? Yes. So that's the holistic as we're talking yeah. about transformation is more comprehensive and it's more holistic. Yeah. Is that our thoughts have a real impact on our bodies and our emotions. But if we just keep it in our head, we're not aware how disconnected we are to our body a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So this is where as, we're, as we want to encourage people and understanding that we have to really learn to slow down and we have to begin to practice these disciplines of meditation, Mm. um, of, of, um, and then be able to process and internalize God's truth and take responsibility. Are we living these truths out?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's where we have to practice. We have to practice truth. We have to, um, apply truth in order for us to then live out the truth. So um, I thought about, so what happens, what's the distinction and the difference between negative thoughts and positive thoughts, or let me put it this way. What's the distinction between living in truth and and living in falsehood?
0: Mm.
1: Okay. And so um, I found that when it comes to emotion and behavior, there are very clear distinctions on what that looks like. And, uh, one i think what comes to our thinking i'm going to give some descriptions to that is one is when we're living in falsehood when we're not living in in that of healthy thoughts then we become very rigid in our thinking we become compulsive in our thinking um and in our rigidity and our compulsivity we have these certain thought process or we have these statements for example that i am a failure uh, that I can't mm. trust anybody. That mm-hmm. um, I'm not good enough, or uh, I'm I'm rejected. So those those sort of negative thoughts and um, those bad thoughts really are expressed in rigid, not resilient or flexible thinking, but in rigid thinking. Mm-hmm. I, and another characteristic is when we're when we operate out of unhealthy thoughts, is I think we become very judgmental. We look at our culture today when we're not operating out of truth, we're not operating out of God's love. We're not understanding mm-hmm. that we're greatly loved and valued and that God has forgiven us and that we are chosen and that we are loved. Then when we don't believe those things, not only become rigid in our thinking, but we, I think we become more judgmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fall into our, if we talked about our coping mechanisms of blame we of criticalness. Uh, instead of when you're operating at a place of healthiness and truth and a healthy mindset, we can become more resilient, we can become less judgmental. Mm-hmm. So I think those are just a couple of characteristics of that help us to evaluate and take inventory of what what our thoughts are um, what, what what our thoughts are creating in our both of our emotions and in our body. That's so
0: helpful, and I, I want to to lean into that a little bit more, and so, but not to spend too much time here. So I'm just going to in the in some of the you know the curriculum that you've developed, you identified a few more things. I'm just going to uh, unhealthy thinking patterns are manifest when you see this all or no, all or nothing thinking, so strict binary, okay. really black and white, when you tend to overgeneralize. generalize. So you look at negative events as like a consistent pattern where your mental filter is just predominantly negative, where you discount the positives in your life, mm-hmm. where you uh, you find yourself, you're somebody that often jumps to conclusions. So you have a hard time with nuance or complexity and holding certain things in tension and you want to jump straight to a conclusion based off of a couple That's of right. different facts. Yeah. You don't get, so you're, you're not practicing curiosity. Mm-hmm. You, uh, if you are living in unhealthy thinking patterns, then you might find yourself playing the fortune teller oftentimes where you arbitrarily predict that things will turn out badly. You've also identified for us that projection, you kind of talked about that. These should statements are a a part of our internal dialogue. Uh, you label yourself. That's for some of what you talked about. I am a failure. I am Mm. worthless. I am angry. I, you know, uh, instead of the more nuanced and healthy, I I feel angry in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's, I am angry. I'm am an angry anger. person. Yeah. I'm an angry person. Right. Uh, and you talked about blaming others, or then even physically making you're trying to make yourself bigger in conflict. Yeah. yeah. So those are just, uh, those are. I wanted to breeze through those really quick and not unpack them a ton. We do that more in, in courses that you can take, but uh, just helpful because tools and... For people to begin to identify and take that inventory, you're talking about, yeah.
1: And I know, and, and to personalize this is that de- depending upon our family of origin, and as we talk about the uh, the certain um, contributing factors that impact our thought life, is I know for me is because of my past experiences of betrayal or experiencing abandonment in my life um, that how I've learned to compensate. Uh, with those wounds is try harder. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like in my thought life? Well, the trying harder and doing better and performing is what I just, we describe as the, uh, the should statements, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I think that's been, I, and and that really comes from a place of shame is that I just need to work harder. Um, And so I, I have a, propensive, being very critical, hard on myself, I'm not doing I'm not doing enough, I ought to be doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those sense of I have to, must, shouldn't, th- those are all these statements that uh, I think I wasn't aware of, but subconsciously, those were birthed out of my past wounds and how they begin to infiltrate the toxicity of my own thought life. Yeah and and it, and that just becomes unfortunately that becomes a natural habit that's birthed out of my past pain that has now governed my thought life and th- these are the places that that open the open the window for for the uh for the dark side mm. that the enemy actually inhabits um, or negativity, or inhabits lies, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know even Paul Paul talks about the mindset on the flesh is death, mindset on the spirit is life. So understanding that maturity as we're discussing this is to become experts of our own thought process. Mm. That we need to we need to specialize in developing uh, an internal awareness and, and then taking inventory of what does your thought like look like?
0: So let me see if I can reflect here and recap in some capacity. We've tried to draw a distinction between the brain and the mind. We've talked about some of the processes that are going on chemically um, that can impact uh, our thought life. We've talked about the need to begin to cultivate an, a capacity and an awareness to Slow down and to listen to our uh, the thought life that's always happening, and this is why prayer is so important. Mm. Contemplative spirituality yes, and meditation and stuff is so yeah. important because part of all that that's doing is we're coming to a place of stillness and quiet in front of the Lord. That's good, and we're trying to slow down the mind thoughts so that we can be open to God's thoughts. It's part of what prayer is. Just. Is of many things, but that's one of, one of the benefits yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and actually there's been all sorts of studies, you know, there's the famous studies that many people talked about in the last 10 or 15 years about studying the minds of Buddhist monks who've meditated for 10,000 hours or more. And this is where we started learning some about neuroplasticity and about mm-hmm. the, the capacity to reprogram and to literally rewire the, the, br- the brain. So we've talked about some of that. We've talked, we've then been able to identify this. Hey, there's a distinction in uh, the that we can see outwardly in the fruits of your life about whether or not you're living in negative coping, negative thoughts, and some of that's irritability, some of that's this judgmentalism, some of that's anger. You know, that's unhealth in lots of different ways or disconnection. It part of what that reveals is that we we've got an issue, some stinking thinking yeah. uh, going on, mm. and you contrasted that with what healthy thinking will look like and what healthy fruit. Mm -hmm. If if we are aware um, of what the truth is, then we begin to become people of joy. We begin to become people of peace, of creativity rather than of chaos. Mm -hmm. And there's this integration that begins to happen and we're able to be more aware of our bodies, more aware of our minds, explore our stories. And uh, it's really... (laughs) Begin to experience the abundant life that that Christ has promised us. That we, as we step into, uh, say yes to the healing journey. So, one thing that I think is really important is this: I that I want us to talk about is this idea of cor- false core beliefs. So, what if we don't take responsibility for our thought life and start cultivating this awareness? What happens is we run the risk of internalizing fundamentally negative and false core beliefs about who we are, about who God is, and about the nature of the world. So can we talk about that?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so the question we need to ask is what What do we mean by core belief? And, uh, and the way that I understand core belief is a core belief is, something that has developed from our family of origin and Mm -hmm. primarily in our woundedness Mm -hmm. um, that has not been transformed, has not been redeemed. So, Mm -hmm. so false core beliefs are deep wounds from, from our family and a lot, some of them are even pre-verbal, Yeah, which there's much research indicates that before the brain is developed and the conscious brain is developed is The soul is already undertaking uh, certain um, uh, perceptions of itself, not based upon cognition, but based upon whether they're feeling safe or they're feeling loved, you know, in their family of origin with their caregivers. So um, it really is core belief. It is a message that goes deep within the fiber uh, of our soul um, that we're not aware, of, was planted, the seed was planted in how we were treated with our, with our uh, core family. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I really like about true spirituality in the grace of God is God truly, God understands that a lot of our behavior, current behavior now has its origin from not only genealogical uh, background, but also from family wounds that he understands that. So there's so much grace. There's so much compassion mm-hmm. that's given to us that a lot of times we don't give ourselves. We're mm-hmm. really hard on ourselves because we don't understand where does this negativity come mm-hmm. from? Why am I so angry? Uh, why am I struggling with anxiety? Why am I such a, uh, uh, negative person? Where does this come from? A lot of times we're not aware of it because a lot of those, either the abandonment, rejection, betrayal those things have their origin at a young age Mm-hmm. you know
0: there's a did you ever see the pixar movie inside out
1: yes yeah
0: so that is just a you know a cultural reference to help people visualize if you haven't seen it go watch it it mm-hmm. is an absolutely brilliant film that does such a powerful job of depicting depicting some of what's going on uh, on the inside right of, of all of us that I think it's a lot that's deeply true about it, but they, you know, they've got this idea of core memories, and there's these little, you know, beautifully colored orbs, and um, whether or not somebody's healthy is dependent upon w- the health of their core memories. So this it's the same exact thing. Yeah. It, it's just if you're if you're wanting to understand this, then go watch Inside Out. It's a <laughs> it's a great film. Uh, another way I like to think about these core beliefs is that they're the fuel that we run on. Mm. So if you have good fuel in a car, yeah, that's uh, good. it's going to run, the engine's going to run much cleaner. It's going to be more responsive. It's going to, it's going to be able to run a lot longer. If you've got crummy oil crummy oil, crummy gas, you know, the fuel that's making this stuff run, it's gonna, it's, it's just a matter of time before it breaks yeah. down. Yeah. So, uh, just another image or metaphor.
1: Well, I love it. And we're not even, uh, we're not even aware of the fuel we're putting into our system. Yeah. You know, the toxicity that we're putting in our system. Uh-huh. Um, and we can apply that to our family of origin. We can t- apply that to food we eat, the diet. Are we totally. aware of how our diet, some foods are very toxic. We already kind of uh, touched on that. Uh-huh. But I think it does give us a good illustration of the importance of what are we feeding our, our mind.
0: Yes, totally. And that's... Uh, So what are some examples of core false beliefs, Jeff, just to help wrap this part up, but to help um, kind of solidify in people's minds so that they can identify, wait a second, do I maybe have some negative core false beliefs?
1: Yeah. So when we talk about core false beliefs, um, is our core false beliefs, they impact our view of God ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it um, is so deeply seated from our childhood that it it, it really is now gone into our subconscious mind. We're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, for example, if you think about Adam and Eve and is, they lived in paradise. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they were given authority over the whole earth. There's only one thing that we're asked not to do. Just don't take a bite out of this, out of this tree. Right. (laughs) And, but because they bought into this lie, this thought that was from the, what the thought that came from their external environment, from the serpent planted this seed of doubt. Did God really say this? And they bought into it. They bought into the doubt. They bought into this false notion that God isn't really being honest with you. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, they chose to buy into this false narrative, and that changed their life and our life forever. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the one of the major core beliefs that I know that I'm 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 believing that's pretty common with a lot of us. Is can we really trust God? Mm-hmm. You know, is God trustworthy? And I know that if I don't trust God, can I then trust others? Mm-hmm. Can I trust people? Yeah. So I think really, when it comes to the anatomy of of our humanity and understanding the way that we're wired, the way that our we're created, the way we're, we're thinking, is that the essence of of healthy thinking is based upon um is based upon our capacity of experiencing love as well as can and based upon trustworthiness and who can we trust so so one of the major core beliefs for me is um can i who can i trust mm-hmm. and i know you know because of my because of my past um even my own sins but also the way I was treated that my how that impacted my marriage was I'm not sure who can I trust. And if I can't trust anybody, I'm, then what's that going to look like in my marriage?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then getting married to an amazing, loving, trustworthy woman, it blew her away when she saw me not trusting her, yeah. when she saw me pulling away or when I didn't feel safe. And she would say, what What are you talking about? I'm the safest person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And was I not, a, what I wasn't aware of is that a lot of it I was transmitting, or I was reenacting past wounds of of um, feeling unsafe, feeling insecure, of abandonment. I was projecting that in my relationship with Robin. So what was that doing in my thought life? Well, it was a core belief that you know what I can't trust anybody. I'll, I'm I'm just I'm on my own mm-hmm. in the way that I'm living this life.
0: Yeah. I love that you shared some of your own story there. And this is why, just to reinforce again, this is why story work is so important. You know, a lot of people, when they first start working uh, with us, they are like, why are we spending so much time talking about, you know, my childhood? Like, that's what's in the past is in the past. Yeah. And it's, like, well, uh, in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. It's, uh, we're carrying around this in our minds and our bodies. You know, there's this amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm-hmm by Vessel Banderkook and it explores the issue of trauma. And that's, we're not having a conversation about trauma. We have an amazing conversation with Jen about that um, later in the season. But so if you want to learn more about that, go listen to the trauma episodes. They're excellent. But so some of these false core beliefs, uh, yeah, God's not safe. For me, the way that I articulated it, I I discovered after a couple of years of therapy and whatnot that I was able to name, oh, yeah, I had this this problem, this false core belief that God was not good, present, loving, and for my healing. He was far off, distant, angry, and disappointed. So... Man, if it's true that God is real, if it's true that He is the source of life, if it's true that He is the source of um, of truth and beauty and meaning and all of this sort of the one the best things in in life. And I understand some people may be on different stages of the, the spiritual journey, so just suspend your disbelief for a second. If that's true, and I believe that he is angry, far off, and is unconcerned about my health and well-being, physically, emotionally, mentally. Like, well, I don't have many op- my options are pretty bad for getting well, yeah, for healing, for experiencing joy and freedom, for for processing through past traumas. And so I knew for me, it was like, man, what I was able to realize and name and verbalize that, oh my gosh. I've been a Christian for almost my whole life and I have spent I have two theological degrees. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars investing in my mind. Yeah. And it was the thing that, and I didn't even realize that I had internalized a false view of God and I had internalized the shame-based view of myself yeah. because my own thought life, you know, so why was I depressed for a decade? Why did I abuse substances to self-medicate? Uh, why was I just constantly, despite people being really encouraging and surrounded by a loving family and and having a lot of, of natural gifts and great yeah. life experiences, I just, I was like, man, I'm such a I'm such a piece of crud and and God doesn't care and there's no hope.
1: <laughs> well, you're not alone, yeah. are you? All of us have really struggled with that, those yeah. core beliefs. And I think it really does reflect the very nature of our fallen state, doesn't it? I uh-huh. mean, it's kind of our old self. Yeah. And living out of our old self, we're really living out of our past and we're being, we're really, you know, the past is no longer the past. It's really very much, it's being present because we haven't really dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And I think I, you know, I do want to um, reiterate, I think you shared this with us. It's not about that we have to dig into our history and it's not about, um, you know, just spend a lot of time trying to discover where was I hurt, And because it's really, it, it, that helps, but what God really wants us to do is discover the truth of who we really are. And it helps to understand the truth of how God sees us and who we really are when we understand where do those lies come from. Mm-hmm. So we're not spending all this time just wanting to cycle analytical, right. you know, deep dive. But what we want to understand is that is part of the spiritual warfare is that if you cannot identify your lies, then you're, then you're never going to really get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so part part of the journey of renewing renewing your mind as Paul talks about um it, it, it really has its origin in what Jesus says about freedom yeah and so we go That's back right. to the That's really we go back to the word of Christ is that he said if you want to be set free if you want to experience liberty he says in John chapter 8 if you abide in my word he says then, or hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. And you then are truly, that's, a, that's an indicator that you're truly my disciple. If you abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So as we as we've been defining briefly what the mind is, as we've been discussing what thoughts are, um, it's it 's important that we need to understand what is the solution how do we deal with negative destructive core beliefs and mm-hmm. and how do we then get out of negative thoughts and mm-hmm. uh, well we we need to identify we need to understand that we have habitual negative thinking and how do we get out of it mm-hmm. and I think this is where it really begins and this is what you you know we 've been discussing this in the class in our men's skills classes and our marriage skills classes that we we first have to we have to first identify what is truth. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to understand that the truth is going to combat the lies of our negative thought life, but mm-hmm. we need to then but we have to then first have truth intervention. We need to abide in the truth, we need to meditate on the truth, we need to apply the truth, we need to walk in truth and that's what we call truth intervention. Mm-hmm. So that's really the first step as we move as we move into a place of healing, of transformation. Of restoration, uh, that we first need to understand what truth is, and we need that truth uh, to be intervened into our thought life.
0: That is good. I love how you uh, recentered us and acknowledged hey, story work, what happened in your past is vitally important, but it's just a tool, it's, it's a part of the toolkit. It's not the place that where we primarily focus. This isn't about navel gazing on a couch and just constantly feeling victim to the the wounds that we experienced in the past. It's it's only useful insofar as it helps us accept the fact that we need to live and focus and meditate on the truth, not on past pains and hurts. It's helpful to identify those places where we were wounded in part so that we can forgive the people who have wronged us so we can be free. So we can Mm. let go of that and no longer be victimized by the things that happened to us in our past so that we can live now, presently, in the truth of who God says that you are and who he says that you are invited to become and who he says he is. Mm. Yeah, so we don't want to live in the past. We, the only place we can live is now.
1: Yeah. There's no guarantee for tomorrow, is there? There is not. And we're delusional if we're always living in our past. The past is the past. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, and this is what's so beautiful about living in this amazing place of spirituality, of living in the presence of God, is at this moment, we have the ability to experience His presence. Mm -hmm. And how do we experience His presence is we need to abide in His word. We need to meditate on his word. We we need to practice uh, the presence of God by contemplating and agreeing and affirming and, and agreeing, uh, making agreements with God's truth. And that becomes the vehicle of the presence of God in our life. Mm-hmm. So not only do we need to, you know, we need truth intervention, but we need truth repetition. Right.
0: Which is where we get to spiritual practices. That's right. Because what I want to clarify here is that we're not, you know, I think I can hear some people saying, okay, Joseph and Jeff, I've been tracking with you guys for a bit. Uh, some of this is, you guys are kooky, but okay. I, I, this <laughs> may, this is maybe starting to make some sense. And I, I, I see that in my own life or I see that at work in somebody else's life that I'm, I'm close. And yet you're telling me that the mind is the problem and the mind is the solution. And like, we got to be careful, you know? So, What you're bringing us to is this space of saying, hey, when we talk about living in the truth and abiding in the word and whatnot, what we don't just mean is that rote intellectual repetition of (laughs) memorizing just read your Bible at the same time, you know, like memorize the whole thing. Memorization is key. That's what's just one practice. uh, That's one methodology for getting the truth into us at down through the mind into the heart, yeah. you know, um, and we won't go into it here, but there's so many rich resources out there that we could link to some of them in the show notes. But when we, uh, you know, prayer is another way to practice truth. Worship is another way to repeat and to yeah. practice truth. Yes. Silence and solitude is another way to 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 practice
1: or vehicles
0: too vehicles exactly yeah. so I just don't I don't want people to get mistake one methodology for the for it that's right you got because everybody yeah. is a little bit wired different mm-hmm. so for some people I know hey memorization of scripture is something that's become key in my he- healing journey yeah. not so that I you know know scripture to use it as some weapon to win an argument no 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 because I've found that hey the insane thing about scripture is how true it is on so many different levels. And the more that you chew on it slowly over time, over the course of your life, you'll see the deeper and deeper and deeper truths of it. And so memorization is a part of it for me, but I also, I did a season of that. And then I recognize that I got to stop memorizing scripture because I'm starting to get too attached to this particular mode. And so Cause I'm, I'm just living in my, my mind a lot. I need to now trust that I've internalized that scripture enough. So I'm now going to start meditating Yeah. so that I can engage in a different way.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, and I love the, I love how simple at times the Bible is. I mean, even Paul talks about the simplicity of how, how are we to practice truth? Well, it's no different than if you are an athlete. You know, and you have to practice the fundamentals of, of your sport in mm-hmm. order for you to change. It's not going to, you're not going to change where it becomes second nature until you practice, you know, that you, if you're going to shoot a basketball properly, yeah. I mean, you know, as you know, this has been my past, you know, went to play, I got a, a scholarship uh, playing uh, sports at basketball. And the reality was. Every day in practice, is it how many times that we would shoot? We would practice shooting, and so and the fundamentals of shooting or playing defense, the fundamentals of proper position in your body and where your feet needs to be and where uh, being on balance. These are all we need to. We had to practice these things every single day until it became second nature. Yeah. Well, the spiritual life is no different. Paul even says that physical discipline. Is, is beneficial for the here and now, but spiritual discipline is benefit not only for the here and now, but for, for eternity. Yes. So what we're really talking about is we talk about from truth intervention to truth repetition, is that we're we in order for it to go from our head to heart, we need to practice it. We need to repeat the truth. We need mm-hmm. to identify the fact is that I am not a loser, mm-hmm. but actually I'm greatly loved by God. That I that I'm no longer abandoned, but I've been chosen by God. And I have to repeat that because if not, I've been believing that I've been abandoned. And therefore, when I feel abandoned, that I'm just going to pull away and shut down. That's so instinctive. And it's so natural that I've been doing that most of my life. Well, how do I break that? I have to practice truth. Yep. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I love everything that you're saying. I love that you're bringing in the sports stuff too. I mean, how many times has Steph, Steph, Stephen Curry yes shot a basketball? Yeah, everybody's, you know, the 10,000-hour thing. Thanks oh, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell, super helpful. You know, uh we got we it's it's is not about religiosity because in the spiritual space, that's where a lot of people with religious trauma um They'll. They're like, well, you're just talking about a dead religion. You're. You're saying, I need to do things. This is a. Go- this is a, a heretical gospel. You know, it's all. It's by grace alone that we're changed and transformed, Jeff. So talk to me about that. That tension that you know, um, that exists. It's real. Certain people will hear what you're saying and say, "Dude, that's no, that's that's wrong."
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great question because. Uh, for many years early on in my Christian life that I, th- I thought that my sense of value and worth was dependent upon my behavior. So if I just did these things, if I prayed more, if I read the Bible more, then God is going to love me more. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that the, I think the deception in, in the spiritual world, which is, really has its origin in lies, is that if I want God to love me, then I need to be able to practice these spiritual disciplines. That's the antithesis of the gospel, is that actually by practicing these spiritual disciplines, it reinforces the fact that I am loved. In fact, the spiritual disciplines and behavior are merely uh, creating space and making decisions and choices that are giving God the opportunity to come reinforce in me that I'm greatly loved, Mm -hmm. that I'm highly chosen that I'm deeply blessed. So again, we in our fleshly thinking is that we attach our value to our behavior as opposed to our behavior is merely a, is a tool that allows us to reinforce the fact of how much we're loved by God. Mm-hmm. So, which really then I think the, the reality is when, is we talk about truth, we talk about truth intervention which then the next pro- step of the process is truth repetition. In other words, we love because God first loved us. Mm-hmm. So understand the origin of truth that we're loved is because God loves us, not because we love him. And then the third, I think the the third component of truth is then we need to apply truth. And that's where the obedience comes in. Mm. So we're, we're going to live out of our truth. Now we're not going to behave in order to establish truth. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I've learned is that how many repetitions do you need to do in order to rewire the brain? So, and there's different. I think there's little, there's different theories on that, but I've heard that if you if you've been most of your life believing the fact that you are a loser or that you're a failure, in God's eyes, we know that is a lie. Mm-hmm. So how do we change that? Well, uh, there's been research and uh, scientific research to indicate that. We, it takes 90 repetitions of truth spoken and claimed before a new experience of peace is, is, um, is do we encounter. Let me say that again. That it takes 90 repetitions of truth spoken and claimed or, um, or that of agreed upon before a new experience of peace. Mm. We encounter. So and it's, it is it is important to to note that uh, current current relational pain may be the reality of what we call right script, but the wrong person. In other words, how often have I projected this old script of my family that you're a loser, Jeff? Or that you're not available for me, and how I project that onto a new person, my wife. Yeah. So I have, then I have to then practice God's truth to move forward with that. So,
0: mm. you know, you're talking about the the amount of times and citing some some stats and some research. Uh, just to throw a few more. Why is this so important? Well, here's some more context. Just. I'm going to blow through these because they're amazing. On average, it's estimated that a person receives 173,000 negative messages about themselves by the age of 16. So that's 29.6 per day negative messages about themselves. On average, it's estimated that a person receives only 16,000 positive messages about themselves by the age of 16. This is why it's so crucially important that we speak words of life, love, and blessing to each other. Mm-hmm. You, we, we need to get over the fact that this feels awkward and vulnerable. We need to be affirming one another, calling out the, the gifts, the, 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 strengths, the uniqueness in one another, building each other up verbally because yeah. the, those numbers are so uh, 16,000 versus 173,000. So the brain needs 10 positives to, to neutralize one negative is this is where our negativity bias comes from. And it's when you start seeing this at work, you understand, oh my gosh, there's a reason why things seem so gloomy and bad. We've got this this bias. By the age of five, a person has he- heard the word no 40,000 times. Uh, wow. Laughter can change the chemical composition of the part of the brain mm. that produces positive energy. Mm. The brain can heal itself through changing negative destructive thoughts to positive healthy thoughts. And you, you just mentioned the 90 times. But anger and unforgiveness stimulate stress hor- homo- hormones, Adrenaline and cortisol and elevated levels of that in us lead to burnout, lead to organ failure, lead to heart disease, lead to cognitive decline. If we live with these chemicals, which have beautiful functions, Mm -hmm. but if we live there, so if we're not grounded in truth or peace, but we're stuck in our pain, it, it literally is killing us. Yeah, It's causing us to break down our body, your mind and your body starts to, starts to decay. But on the other side, forgiveness and happiness Mm. stimulate emotional bonding hormones like oxytocin. And so those are just some quick fun facts because I know there's some nerds out there like me that are are thinking, oh my, what? I've never heard that before. And this is just motivation about why we think this is so important Well, Jeff, uh, we've been talking for a while and we've covered a lot of ground about renewing the mind and about uh, what's important, why do we need to do this, how do we do this, and what will result if we continue to say yes to the healing journey, if we continue to say yes to the truth intervention that we hope this podcast plays in people's lives in some capacity, where... They hear in our conversation and throughout the course of this season, this unmistakable call from the omnipotent and the omnibenevolent. So the all powerful Mm -hmm. and all loving, um, all creative, all curious, all kind, all present, all respecting God of everything. They'll hear his call saying, Hey, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you yeah. rest. Take on me. My yoke, my burden is easy, and my yoke mm-hmm. is life. Yeah. And man, I just hope that we, as and we, I mean, as Christians and the church, we can just get out of the way that we can we can let go of a bunch of the things, concepts, language, um, programs that are no longer serving people. Yeah, Uh, no longer introducing them to the lived experience of God's love. And because man, you and I have seen it. We've been in the room as we've watched this stuff click in people's minds and heart. And we've seen as we've walked with groups, amazing transformation. I mean, that's my story. That's your story. It's, and it's, it's one that ultimately, you know, we play an important role in, you know, responsibility is, is it, it's not going to happen. It's not just going to happen to you. You know, it's not got uh, God. It doesn't just wave a magic wand and yeah. everything is immediately totally fixed. He's capable of profound, miraculous transformation, but we gotta, we gotta say yes, Jeff. So yeah. I hope today's conversation is an invitation that some people will say yes to and say, okay. Yeah. And, and if they want to find out more then you, they can email us, um, and they can connect with us on Instagram and we can help them get plugged into some additional resources that can yeah. help you on that healing journey, whether that's just all sorts of great books have been written about this stuff. Yes. You know, this isn't, isn't anything totally brand new. No. We're just, we're synthesizing from a, a lot of mm-hmm. different fields and a lot of really amazing thinkers and a lot of great research and, and obviously, you know, our sacred yeah. book, the, the Holy, the Holy Bible. So thanks so much for the conversation, mm, Jeff. And do you have great. any, any closing thoughts
1: yeah, and I just want to reinforce what you just said a minute ago and the importance of of a covenantal sacred community. Mm. It it's, It is important that we do practice the spiritual disciplines. We need to learn to cultivate a personal relationship uh, with God through the Spirit um, by meditating on His Word, and we need community. Yeah. Yeah. We need people that we need people in our lives who a grace filled environment community that that will help us to reinforce who we really are and how God really sees us and to speak truth into each other's lives and I know we've we've been so blessed you know Joseph you and I've been working for a couple of years now working together and mm-hmm. investing in men's lives and to be in that sacred place of confidentiality that we we can help people. Where they feel safe for guys to feel safe that we can speak into their lives and speak God's truth. Yeah. And when they're believing or they're thinking lies, like we all do at times, that we can exhort, encourage, and to reinforce how much God loves how much God loves us. So that's that's what I want to encourage um the listeners, great. is that is that yes, we need to spend more time, we need to spend a time to meditate on God's word and we need God's community.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't do it alone. You are not alone, and you can't do it alone. Listening to a podcast is not participating in community. You know, listening to a podcast is primarily informational. You are an observer to a conversation Jeff and I are having in the context of community. Because we live together, we work together. Well, not live together. you got your own house. i got my own house, (laughs) but you know what I mean. So I I think that's such a great point to end on. You know, and if you... If you are lonely, if you feel isolated and alone, please, please reach out. Um, And we'd love to do whatever we can. You know, we're limited, but we'd love to do whatever we can to help you get connected to community so that your healing journey can be catalyzed and you can start experiencing the truth of God's love and stepping into the fullness of who you were created to be. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or need help or for more information about how to take the next step in your healing journey, please feel free to email us at ftlpod at northcoastcalvary.org or head over to the relationshipresource.org to learn about what classes and resources are available to support you. A big thanks to North Coast Calvary Chapel and the Relationship Resource for making this podcast possible. Our podcast was directed and produced by Joseph Carlson and edited by Nate King. Original music by the one and only Brian McMaster.